Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we cover some of the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today in the studio, mind you, are our good man, the best writer of all time, Anthony Arnold, <laughs> the boss lady of Pointcast herself, Miss Francine Dash. Hi there. And we also go. have a special guest today, Miss Sasha Estrella Jones, with us via Zoom. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How are you all doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Well, Good. Good. I'm feeling good. Awesome. Y'all are feeling good. Yeah. Let's get it started. So in what might be a new tradition on the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda front load a bit of the discussion so that way you guys can get cooking okay. while we get okay. the the what I like to call the I lost my word for it. Give me a second. Uh well I get the the housekeeping yeah. out of the way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So <clears throat> Everybody knows what happened with Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, or Ye? Is it Ye or Ye? I think it's, is it Ye? I'm pretty sure it's Ye. This is Ye? Ye? Okay. It's it's spelled Y-E, so I had assumed it was... I thought it was Ye, but it could be Ye. I thought it was Ye because he didn't have his name. I thought it was That's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, Kanye. Okay. I was thinking Ye but yeah, no. I was too. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said you Jesus. Yes. Ye old yay. <laughs> I thought happen? I thought it was the biblical thing you do. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh however you decide to pronounce it, he has been a fairly divisive figure in America for the majority of his career. People like him are almost always in the public eye, and people have many different feelings about his words and actions. This situation in October is no different. Were you aware that many of the ways that we respond to controversies like this are rooted in politics? Using this as a backdrop, let's talk about it. But first, Anthony, let's talk about the poll. All right. So uh, this is is our latest poll. As I say every time, our polls are on the social media pages. Go there, respond, share. Uh, This one is, so when the delegates to the 1787 Constitutional Convention pondered the question of what age a president should be, the big concern wasn't about the office holder being too elderly, but too youthful. To some observers, the lack of an age limit for the nation's highest office heightens the risk of getting a president who isn't up to the rigors of the job. So then the question is, as a voter, do you think that age should be a consideration when voting for president? And if so, what do you think the maximum age a potential president should be when they take office? I want to start with this. Go for it. So the when I was younger and it was told to me like what the age of a president like was supposed to be before they could take office, that made sense to me. Like I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. Like in my mind, it should be someone who's had some like time. And experience yeah. with, the, with the country or otherwise. Like, that made sense to me. As I've gotten older, I have, and this is, again, me speaking as my own voter. Um, as I've gotten older, I have become incredibly distrustful of the political views of most people over the age of 50. 
And so I personally believe that we live in an America that would benefit from a younger president. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying like 25, but like 30. I feel like 30 feels like a, a reasonable time. You've lived a good amount. You've had some time to experience like the nation politics on your own. You probably have a lot of your own opinions and your own like things that you might want to do in office. I feel like 30 feels like a respect. I, I could be president. This you is, are according to this spot. Right. Well, right. Very true, very true. But like of the United States. I I am I am the president of Recap. But all in all, I I I do believe that like America would be fine with like a 30, 35 year old president. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Well, when you became distrustful, what specifically made you become distrustful? Was there like a thing or an accumulation. So it was honestly just an accumulation of what I believe to be the degradation of values in America. And that only got cemented with the current Supreme Court. Mm. Mm. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Francine, Sasha, which one of you wants to take it first? Sasha, you got this? Yeah. Uh, one, I think a little bit arbitrary to put a number on it and I say that because if it was some perfect age whether the age was young or the age was old wouldn't all the countries around the world have that age and if we look at all the countries around the world we've seen leaders of some countries who are young so there's that aspect also I feel like I don't like the idea of putting a cap on how old someone could be for example, I think of my man, Bernie Sanders, and I'm like, well, I didn't, what if there was a cap and Bernie, Bernie could have run again? Not that they'll ever pick him, but the whole, another line of thinking, we will not go down there, we'll say that for another show. Thank you, Sasha. Um, but I do feel there is a disconnect, even beyond presidency, if we just look across the board at those who lead our country politically, it's overwhelmingly white it's overwhelmingly male it's overwhelmingly older and i think that's for me what i'd like to see change it's not just the age but i'd like to see more diversity and inclusivity across the board to actually have politicians who reflect us that's more my concern is when i look at who for instance i voted today you know or or did my early voting and some of the people on the ballot i was like none of these folks represent me or my community like let alone my you know political views but who i am as a person that's not reflected back at us and i think having the age be 35 and we've never even had a president that's come close to that we've never even had a president who was 40 if correct me if i'm wrong um but i'd like to see that change more i think you know another part of it part of it is with the generations that currently exist, the life the boomers had is radically different from the realities of millennials and Gen Z. The world was different, okay? The world wasn't on fire quite yet, all right? Just <laughs> one example. So to have that mindset if you grew up under certain conditions and you think this works for the world, et cetera, et cetera, and it's like, Maybe that worked for the world of 60 years ago, my friend, but that don't work for the world of today. So those are my thoughts. Not a full answer, but an answer nonetheless. I like it. Yeah. And I think for me, um, 
I don't want to put a hard and fast age limit on the minimum or the maximum. Personally, I was I was always curious where the 35 yeah. came from, like what was magical about 35. And I remember historically all of the arguments against Kennedy when he <clears throat> ran and he was too young and inexperienced. And then when Obama and when he ran the first time and how young and inexperienced, you know, and these guys were like in their 40s yes. <laughs> with families. Yeah. But they were seen as children in that space and um, and weren't really respected in that space. They kind of had to both fight for that. But um, I, I don't, I guess for me, it's more or less having access to people um, and having people have the opportunity to lead who do represent the masses um, more directly. I think sometimes there is a disconnect between leadership and people, which is weird because you're supposed to represent the people, but the president, the office of president, presidency is so far away from us. You know, it's kind of hard for that one yeah. person to represent all that America is. Uh, however, in staying true to the spirit of the question, um, a lot of people do have a fear of having a president that is too old because as you get older, you run into real life circumstances. There's age related dementia yep. that nobody can help. It's just, it's nobody's fault. It's not political. It just happens. Um, various other diseases that kind of creep in there, loss of hearing, loss of sight, things diminish over time. And um, the political space can be quite cruel. <laughs> yeah. You know, these people are still functioning and families and in businesses all around the country. But, you know, when you're in that fishbowl, it's, it's something different. Right. And, um, so I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with setting a hard number. Yeah. Although I do understand the concerns for having someone who, because there were concerns when Reagan was in office, yes. he kept not remembering things. And secretly Nancy was supposedly running things because he wasn't, Coherent, You know, there are all kinds of reasons why, and some of them are political and some of them are, are founded reasons. But I think we need to be careful that we don't exhibit some form of ageism one way or the other in our search for uh, trying to establish some sort of, uh, of order around that yeah. office. All right. Um, I'll obviously go last. This is a question that I actually have sort of changed quite a bit on. I used to be a little more where you were, Josh. And then uh, I started sort of researching how age actually functions in politics. The issue with like a uh, upper limit is that not out of malice, it, it actually ends up probably being really quite sexist. So if you look in general, women politicians don't start their careers as young as men because a lot of women are raising families which basically takes them out of starting a political career. You see this same trend. You mentioned the court. You actually see the same trend as the Supreme Court. When you're supposed to be clerking under Supreme Court judges, a lot of really talented young women legal minds are starting families. This is why the court ends up being male-dominated, because men start their careers earlier. They're able to do clerkships that require 70-hour work weeks, whereas women are... Still, many women are having kids, raising families. That tends to take them out of politics until they get to mid-40s, right? 
early 50s when, you know, if you have a couple kids, if you have two kids when you're 25, you have one at 25, one at 28, your second kid doesn't turn 18 until you're 46. You can start a political career with kids. It's just harder. Yeah. A lot. It's yeah. a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and so by the time women enter into politics and then they get the experience you need, they are like in their late 50s, early 60s. <laughs> right. Um, and that changed my mind a lot on the question. And this is, you know, Alex and I, he's not with us uh, because he of marathoning issues, marathon related traffic issues in Indianapolis. But him and I talked about this and without having a satisfactory way to implement ASIM in a way that wouldn't actually like totally screw women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I guess we just can't have it. <laughs> and that me, and I'm not totally satisfied with that because of what you mentioned, Francine. Mm -hmm. Look, I love my dad. He's in his late seventies. He's not quite as sharp as he was like 15 years ago. He, he'd be the first one to tell you. So I'm not totally comfortable with the idea of like someone who's my dad's age being president, but I think we're kind of stuck there for now. And this is kind of unsatisfying thing. Um, it's not like a great way out of it. So that's my answer. And uh, I've, as I said, these always show up on our social media pages. So please go there. Let us know how you feel about any of our poll questions. We've had some really interesting discussion with some viewers yes. regarding uh, some of the questions that we ask. We try to find questions that are like thought provoking and that really get you in different mindsets about issues. Because as you've seen, like even in just this, what feels like fairly simple question, there's a lot to dig into. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of different yeah. avenues that need to be explored because otherwise people are getting left behind. Or we might accidentally be promoting ageism or things along those lines. Like so many of these things are intertwined that it's impossible to separate them all. Yep. Which is part of what I want to start talking about. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the topic of Yeezy. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to start this. Oh boy. By I only have water it, to drink. Yeah, <laughs> by making it very, very clear. <laughs> that there is no room for anti-Semitic mark remarks in this nation at all ever. Yeah. Period, point blank. Period, point blank. However, there are a couple of things regarding the nature of this controversy that I want to go ahead and put into word and have a, have a discussion about it. Okay. So the first thing, I want to discuss, and this is kind of the majority of where I, I'm going with this, is specifically the media coverage yeah. of this issue. Mm -hmm. One thing that we've very clearly seen is that the media in many ways is controlling the narrative. And while that's not necessarily new, one ways and one of the ways in which I find that to be problematic, specifically for uh, this issue is that often they are taking what in my mind should be like a very specific piece of information or maybe even like an isolated incident and making it apply to the whole situation overall. Because again, yeah. this this type of controversy isn't new to Kanye. He's been doing this kind of shit forever. Yeah. But mm -hmm. like the ways in which it's being talked about, at least in my opinion, are problematic. 
This isn't even his first anti-Semitic. It really isn't. Marathon. No. You know, so that's what's really yeah. interesting that he keeps getting space to do this. Right. And 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 like I, I don't think uh, by the the current definition of this word, he is actively being canceled. But we we have seen more action. Oh, I just bumped my mic. We have seen more action in recent time than we have in the past regarding his misdeeds. Yeah. And I think that that's just a natural consequence of making bad decisions. Yeah. I mean, he said George Bush hates black people like 20 years ago. Actually, though. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. That was during, to color that in for people who might not be aware, there was this huge storm, Katrina, that happened and it displaced a lot of people, a lot of poor people, a lot of black people in Louisiana, the worst they'd seen. And it exposed some of the, even the discrimination on how the levees were set up around certain neighborhoods. Um, and all of these, a lot of these people were displaced. And George Bush goes out with, I forget the gentleman's name, and he makes a statement on the news basically saying they're doing such a fine job of their recovery efforts. Meanwhile, people are kind of still on the roofs of houses begging to be rescued. Writing like giant SOSs. Right, writing giant SOSs on their houses. And it, it was just all around. It was almost like politically embarrassing. And because the next clip is of all of these people who are displaced or even dead. And then Kanye, probably among others, makes this comment that... This kind of drives to, I guess, his opinion is that Bush just hates black people, you yeah. know, just, you know, and um, and for some people that resonated because of all of the things that were going on um, at that time. So in that space, I don't think Kanye got a lot of flack back for making the comment in that time. Well, I, I think in, in some in some circles he did. Well, not not even just that, like, I think in many ways, like that kind of mentality was warranted based on the scenario. Now, granted, uh, the nature of the comment is a bit unfortunate, but mm -hmm. like, I can see where he's coming from. Right. And a lot of people, and the reason why I'm setting it up that way, because he's made comments in the past that are sharp yeah, and that cut, some people rallied around them, right? Right. And so he would make other comments that were sharp and people rallied around them. Perhaps that bolstered some sort of confidence yeah. in him thinking that he could say what he wanted to say. In yeah. fact, one of the comments that he made is that I can say anything right. I want to say. I'm not right. going to lose my Adidas, I think he was referring to, or right. whomever it was, sponsorship. I could say what I want to say. What I'll say, though, to go... Because I'll make sure, Josh, we get back to what you were, where you were going. I just want to say, I actually think though that the George Bush hates black people actually goes to what you said about media, the media controlling the narrative. It was super inappropriate what he did. Yeah, but people agreed with what he said, mm -hmm. so no one said that when he said George Bush hates black people, this is really bad. Mm -hmm. It was at a fundraiser with Michael Myers, who was the person, the person hosting a fundraising event 
for the victims. It, it, he wasn't. He didn't just say it out of nowhere. If you've ever seen oh. the clip, he's standing next to Michael Myers. No, the actor, I, I did not know. And Michael that. Myers is just like what? <laughs> like they're on air. I'm pretty sure they were on air. Oh shit! And he just says George Bush hates black people. Uh, I mean, we'd have to find the clip, but it was like this is not yeah, the event. That. Right. Or the or the or the, well, the he's, time. He's not known for being timely or appropriate. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, uh, but with, I'm pretty sure it was comments. at it was at an event meant to raise money. Yeah, so it was at this hour long telethon event where he was presenting. He was one of a number of presenters. They were raising money for hurricane relief, and he goes off script and is just like, "I'm gonna do some live TV," and he gives a whole speech and it ends with George Bush hates black people. And his co presenter Michael Myers is just like. And doesn't know what to do. Has with no them. idea what to do. And it becomes the the fact that this isn't to criticize anybody, either one of you. The fact that people don't know that it was at a telethon mm-hmm. is, is because he completely detracted he did, yeah. from the fundraising yeah. for victims part yeah. of the event. That's that. Yeah, that is crazy. That but no one huge. said it because they agreed with what he said. And that's your media control. And and that yeah, that does lead to your <laughs> yeah. point very well. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. thought this was like like no. a random thing he said in like no. an interview somewhere. No. Well, he said it several times, but I yeah. think it was that. Yeah. No I, one criticized him because they didn't like Bush and they didn't like how Bush had handled the response. And so they didn't want to call out, hey, man, you can't. Sweating the best time. <laughs> that was a really bad thing to do. Yeah. We need everyone to donate money to this. not Because now you've made it political. What if people like George Bush and they don't donate money? Because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. called George Bush a racist on live TV. So now mm-hmm. they don't donate money to victims. Which is ironic when you dial it up with 20 years, but I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When but you... like that, that's that again kind of illustrates my point. Like a lot of things are being lost in this, and a lot of things are being misrepresented. Uh, the other kind of, well, I, I just realized we haven't heard from Sasha in a while. Do you have any thoughts to, to share, Sasha? Before we move on? Yeah, I think this might kind of lead, I don't know where you're going, but maybe to where you're going. But also, at the time that Kanye made those remarks, a couple of things were going on. One, the conversation and openness around mental health was nowhere near where it is today. Very fair. And I think that cannot be overlooked that really the pandemic did something so unique that I think none of us, or at least actually for myself, I didn't foresee is creating an environment where we started to talk about mental health as a collective in a way we have never done before. So, yeah, and seriously, because we went through a collective trauma, which, okay, now it's not just, oh, I'm depressed. It's like, oh, no, we're depressed. We're anxious. This shit sucks. Um, And I bring that up because I think that definitely plays a role. You know, we have a mental health conversation going on, going on, alongside Kanye West, Ye, Ye, not sure, um, who has been open about his struggles with his own mental health and what happens when he's not on medication and then also says this thing. And there's some kind of blurring of what I've seen of the mental health conversation along with the Kanye conversation. So there's, there's that aspect that the media has definitely, in some cases, manipulated used to their advantage, et cetera. And I think also the media, and that's funny when I say the media, I'm like, guess I'm not talking about it, but we also are part of, of the media. Actually, though, we, we, we really are. That, that's yeah, why so our, our job is important. From us. Yeah, but also like the accountability 
that media has that I feel they have not lived up to in regards to giving a platform to certain hate speech that it's like, oh, now y'all want to step up and say things, but y'all are all types of craziness. Not only by Yee Yee Kanye West beef that I'm talking across the board, y'all let racist comments go, y'all let homophobic and trans comments go, y'all let sexist comments, all these things that it's like, hmm, that's kind of near a hate speech or is hate speech, y'all let that go. But now, but now, <laughs> we're going to have a problem. Okay. So I, I actually love where your head is at because that's exactly what I was about to start talking about. Because I think one of the things that often gets lost when we discuss what Kanye is doing is the why. Uh, because let's be perfectly honest, um, we have heard m- uh, many different times from people around Kanye that he does struggle. So we we know where, at least in my mind, a portion of this is coming from because he's not always like this. This this does happen in bursts, usually, like, unfortunately in the public eye. And one often thing that happens is, uh, like, mental health gets stigmatized and uh, a bunch of other things that we can dig. What are you doing, Francie? I'm trying to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be cool and I didn't do it right. Jeez, it's okay. We I... we can we can wait for everybody okay. to get situated. Okay. I, I'm yeah. We so yeah we we have a last minute addition here. Uh, Professor X has decided to join us. Everybody say hi to Professor X. Hey. Hi everybody. Oh wow. Bro, I feel you. Wow. It's it's nuts right now. It's especially yeah. on top of the construction. It's nuts. The, the construction and the marathon. Right. You could have right. ran half the marathon in this one. But actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. But no, I, no, I couldn't. <laughs> so uh, to to catch wow. you up, uh, we are talking about the media and how it controls how we respond to controversy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we were. Then, then, but then, where were? So yeah, yeah. basically, um, what I was gonna do was give us some time to. Uh, discussed like the mental health piece of this yeah. because as Sasha mentioned um, that's usually not discussed very well mm-hmm. and so kind of going back into my my old version of the way I wanted to handle these I have some questions <laughs> <laughs> regarding uh, the media and things along these lines uh, that I'd like to ask you all and we will see where we go from there all right so um First question I have uh, is that, oh, wait, there we go. Um, is there a particular way that issues like these should be covered by the media? D- is there a good way to cover this kind of story? When you say issues like these, are you specifically saying where there's a celebrity or someone who might have a mental health issue? Yes. That's, um, I'm specifically referencing Kanye and Outbursts. Yeah, okay. This is two things real quick. I'm not a mental health specialist, so I don't know if he has any mental health issues. It's all speculative. That's fair. Just because of the spontaneity of some of his comments. So I don't want to give too too much credence to something I don't know uh, for certain. He has said, though, he he has bipolar. I know we haven't seen, you know, 
any proof right right an assessment but he has said it right he has said a a lot of stuff (laughs) and and so if if he truly is then I certainly don't want to make a mockery of that because mental illness is a real thing however I don't want to make it such a so much of a dragon that it starts to excuse um, behavior that could be prevented also. So I mean, the issue, the issue is Twitter, the issue is social media. At any point you can just go out there and set fire to your life. Just, just pitch a, Pitch, pitch a live grenade. Well, then, into, uh, then does Twitter have responsibility? Does is Twitter responsible then? Uh, is Twitter directly responsible? Uh, no, but the social media apparatus that we have allowed to be created, like yeah, before because before if you had like a private outburst, like with your let's say with your colleagues or with your let's say or with your significant other or or say or whatnot. Your public, say the corporation, the public, your publicist, you had people who'd be like, ah, we're cut, cut. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 I'm, we're going to go talk. We're having like, we're having but, a thing. Well, supposedly he has handlers, like you're describing people uh, who, who protect and cover. He has publicists and not I say, how, I say, how, how do you <laughs> say, do they take his phone? Does he does say, do they have a, do they have a, well, another mean, app where he tweets the thing that he wants to tweet and then it goes to them and then they edit it and then they tweet it out. Is that what we think it, how it works? Well, probably not in this case. It looks like, it looks like it's not working, <laughs> I mean, but you, to your point about the media, I'll, I'll toss oh, it back over to you. Um, the reason why I made the comment about mental health is the media, we're asking them to be responsible for something they don't know either. Like, they don't know. He said that he's bipolar, or I don't know if he used those exact words, but he's mentioned, he's talked about mental health issues in the past. And I don't know if that's his understanding or his diagnosis. Mm, right. Right. And then, so then we can't, as individuals assume, you know, based on what he shared, that that's the gospel. And then the media can't, but they don't have to exploit it either. Right. I mean, so I'm going to take like kind of the extreme position here just to open the conversation up. Okay. So we start because we can't go around like pulling people's papers and confirming their diagnosis for a variety of reasons. No, people don't think like, I don't think any of us think we should do that. Mm-hmm. And society is not set up to allow us to do that. So the diagnosis we believe he has is bipolar. This is based off of what he has said and what some people like his ex-wife, Kim Kardashian have implied about when he's off his meds. That is the broad understanding. We have no way of verifying that we're simply We accept his word and the word of people around him. If we accept that to be true, what is the purpose of these diagnoses if not to excuse certain behavior? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean a bipolar person in the grip of a either depressed or manic episode will in fact do things that are offensive or out of touch or out of step with societal norms. That is in fact how the condition functions it like if a psychotic person in the midst of a psychotic episode screams that there are demons haunting them that is that is in fact the diagnosis 
work that that is the mental condition working that is it doing what it is what it does to their mind right like this is where we get into some mental illnesses illnesses do make people violent that is how they function that is their impact on the human mind so then at what point do you go well if if mental illness cannot excuse certain behavior then it has no function in a society like we like when we have these discussions about mental illness if you say this person is psychotic this person is schizophrenic this person is bipolar this person is has ADHD this person is autistic there are behaviors attached to those conditions that they are in some regards powerless to prevent so then it's on us you have to allow them the dignity of doing things that are a result of their condition. Like I've said this before, my daughter is autistic. Her violence, and yes, she has like attacked me. (laughs) A 16, 17 year old has attacked me. It's not personal. It is a function of her condition, right? So if someone wants to say, well, we should put her in jail because she assaulted you. I mean, she's autistic. You should not. Please don't throw my autistic daughter in jail. She can't help it. She can't help it. Can I throw my two cents in? Yeah, go yes. ahead. Go for it. So I, I'm literally writing down notes because there's so much to say. <laughs> one, the, no, I, 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 I have to. I'm like, my brain is just going. So one, um, bipolar does not equal anti-Semitism. Like, like when it puts the symptoms of bipolar, one doesn't come up. Um bigotry isn't one of them so i think that's also something for us to talk about it's like a friend of mine the other day she's like you know it's crazy people can get dementia forget their kids names forget the person who they were married to but they don't forget that they hate black people still a racist somehow <laughs> that's dangerous Hold on to that one so i think it's important too that's like mm, you can be bipolar and anti-Semitic, and your bipolar has nothing to do with the fact. It's the same. You could be racist and also, you know, have ADHD. The two, the correlation might not be there. So that's one thing to say. I think there's also a level of this is that we need to be real that as a society, specifically a society that loves celebrity culture, Also, Alex, picking up on what you said that I really agree with about social media, we think it's entertaining to see someone crash and burn in real time. We like that. We watch shows for that. We Billions of dollars. That's so true. We eat that shit up. So also what we're seeing is part of a machine that we created that exists outside of Kanye West. And, you know, As a society, we need to hold ourselves accountable to that. You know, we, the way we treat celebrities, the way we put them on these pedestals, the way we let them say anything at all and do a fair amount, in some cases, harm and not just words, physical harm. And we're just like, well, you know, they have this certain untouchable status and then something changes. So it's like, it's it's complex. I think, you know, on, on one part of me, there's frustration because I think the mental health conversation in some ways gets lost because what we are seeing happening, which I do think, you know, he does have bipolar and this is on par with it. And then I also think he has some fucked up beliefs. Okay. I, I, both can be true. And I think the fact that he 
maybe hasn't gotten the treatment he needs for his bipolar and there's not an empathy for that there like so many other millions of people especially millions of other folks of color millions of other black men that's also another segment of why do we allow a, a black man to dig you know dig themselves in this hole and put a mic in front of their face if we think they're having an episode why then do we go and have interviews with them and give them we don't point. protect them but then we also don't protect our society by giving them a place to spew hate come on yeah. Right. I mean, well, this is something Alex and I talked about because <laughs> I want to I actually do want to talk about the anti. But before you get started, yeah. I just want to make one comment. Yeah. I need a shirt that says <laughs> me and Alex have talked about this a lot <laughs> yes. because I swear on like every fucking episode. Yeah. Both of you be like, well, me and me and Anthony or me and Alex talked Look, about this. Y'all need you more free time. <laughs> we can have group conversations you know. if y'all are available during the I'm day. I'm just saying. You know like, I, I just need like the, a, the like, give, me, give me like a Hanes that says I mean, me it's and Alex true. have talked about this. This is a fact. Uh, <laughs> Anti-Semitism is the... Stop it, Francine. It is the thing that all conspiracies lead back to. Somehow, if you follow conspiracy rabbit hole deep enough, you will end up at anti-Semitism. It's just matter. It's like eight degrees of six degrees of separation, right? It's like yeah, that's where you'll end up. So, well, well, they all lead you back to Nazis, right? Which lead you back to <laughs> so. There's this, so if you are myself. a person, whether through mental illness or just general personality, who is prone to those sort of things you will be exposed to anti-Semitism. And one thing that bipolar can lead you to do is like attach. Like the mania part can lead you to attach to certain ideas. Like that is part of how the mania functions. And if in that state you attach to like a conspiracy rabbit hole, and you mentioned this at the beginning, Saja, like a COVID conspiracy theory, perhaps, that will inevitably lead you to George Soros created COVID. And you're like, what the fuck how well if you're having a bipolar episode and you start going down weird covid rabbit holes you're going to end up in anti-semitism pretty fast like mm -hmm. it's the the jews created covid we i this okay i don't know how we ended up there but okay space lasers space lasers right this is marjorie taylor <laughs> green and space lasers like so it is not that wow. bipolar <laughs> equals anti-semitism it is that mania can lead to attachment and the thing you are potentially attaching to is anti-Semitism. What you asked at the outset, is there a way the media should talk about this? Because it's nuanced and it's case specific and it's individual specific. There is no guidelines for how to talk about mental health because every person's diagnosis is different. Every person's history of behavior is different. I think that Ye has exhibited a number of generally asshole behaviors before the diagnosis became public. I mentioned the George W. Bush thing. I also think clearly for at least six or seven years, he's been displaying what I'm like. I, those look like bipolar episodes. I mean, there's an incident from like six years ago on the set of Saturday Night Live where he started berating people because they had to change a floor panel because it was reflecting too much light for the TV. There was a situation where he tried to get someone in a wheelchair. Was that? Yeah. To make him stand for yeah. him or... I mean, that if, was, if, that you, was quite if you've sad, heard the actually. things he's been, and this is the media part, if you've heard the things that he's said that have not been aired, it's wild. Some of it is more hateful and more anti-Semitic. Yeah. And some of it is like, 
he suggested that professional actors were hired to infiltrate his home and sexualize his children. That's the thing he has said recently. It I was cut. He said it on Tucker Carlson. Tucker cut it because it made his guests sound crazy. Well, he did make the comment about his children's school. And right. he gave out the school's address, which right. is really unsafe. Yes. And so. And, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. This is anti-Semitic. So. This is hateful. This is I guess I see where you're going. Of, I, I, of I, an unsettled mind that is not functioning properly. And then we get back into what Sasha said. And then we stick a mic in his face. Candace Owens interviews him. And coincidentally, he offers to buy Parler. Coincidentally, Candace Owens is married to the CEO of the company that owns Parler. I'm sure these things are unrelated for Candace Owens, though. <laughs> so the, is you're making it sound like his mental illness is being exploited in those uh, businesses. For Candace spaces. Owens, 100%. Again, Parler is a failing company. People make money from this stuff. People make money from airing clips, writing articles about, you know, these breakdowns or outbursts he's having, and it goes out to millions of people. People make income from that. Yep. So disgusting. also it's like, yeah, social media profit off of this and no accountability at all it's just kanye 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 what about the systems that give him a platform to go on and say this even to what uh anthony was saying about you know you go down a rabbit hole say if you're in one of these episodes you can go down a rabbit hole and not publicly in your own private home and you can find all this anti-semitic shit on the internet why why can you find this all Hmm? and then i look you know I mean, probably now I'm going on a break. I'm done with this shit. I'm D O N E, apostrophe, bold, italicize it, whatever. Because then you fucking look at Elon motherfucking Musk. Yes, oh. Elon motherfucking Musk. That's how I'm going to introduce him. <laughs> I'm going to refer to him. Find Twitter, right? Because, oh, it's going to be the town hall of mouth. Shut the fuck up. Shut, shut up, bro. You look at that, a place where misinformation just false false information things are just not true hate speech runs wild and rampant and they still haven't even figured how to cut that out mm. and then you have elon come in and try to make it even more free because he's you know, the free speech of the world ambassador chip chip curio crap hands to you <laughs> and then what it's only gonna get worse the less social media has to legally be responsible for promoting hate speech, bigotry, and disinformation and letting it run rapid where people can actually access this shit online and believe in this because it's out there. Uh, Done with my rant. I mean, and I know we're at time. So, but like, so, you know, real, real quick. So, yeah, so you're talking about like, why do these rabbit holes exist? And it's like, well, it's the same reason that you're, you're you know, the problem with social media is that it's, it's the attention economy. It's all algorithm driven. It's all... What drives engagement? And we define engagement as, you know, clicks or comments or shares. And it's like, well, I hate I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like hate, hate will will cause those things. Yes. Yes, And so uh, the algorithm will just uh, the algorithm is completely if if joy caused these things, the algorithm would optimize for joy. I was just about to say that. But it's completely agnostic. The algorithm is completely agnostic. But uh, humans, humans are not. And humans are driven, like I say, will respond strongly to hate. And um, that's what the algorithm's optimized for. 
we don't have to allow this. We can we could pass laws governing about how like how these algorithms can be used and what features they can that can be used. I thought for... I told you about that whole common sense thing that you try to <laughs> <Yeah>. push. But <laughs> keep pushing but say, common sense. But, say, but, say, but I, I like I will observe. It will mean people will make less money. Yeah. yeah. But mean, we'd yeah. have to be stringent. But like we don't have to allow people to go down YouTube rabbit holes that lead them to Nazis. Like that is a choice that our society has made. And what we've ended up with is, as Sasha and Alex have both pointed out, just people sitting in their living rooms going like in the grips of attacks or in the grips of they were bored or in the grips of they were trapped in their house for two years and couldn't leave. And they're just exploring the weirdest, most hateful, insane rabbit holes they can. And then they come out of them and you're like, what happened to you? I mean, bro, I just spent 18 months locked at home yeah. watching YouTube. Oh. This is, we've talked about this before and I, I know we're at time. I know, Josh. Don't give me the eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, so like those ties back to was like well no like what happened before so even if you were at home what happened before is like you shared like these really bizarre thoughts with your friends and your family and they were like homie no no let's like let's talk about this let's unpack like let's unpack this but in the world that we like that we've created where like most people don't have friends and uh, you know and fan and, like even family is. Um, Sacrificable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I say, I say, if, hey, if you don't I say, if you don't like it, I'll find thirty other people who do. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's the sadness. That's we got to figure out a way as a team. We got to put our thoughts together and start thinking because hate is winning, and that distresses me. But uh, that's my last word on it, Josh. That, uh, <laughs> hate is winning, and hate is spreading, and uh, hate is being reported on, and. We as a society have to find a way to change the narrative because right now it is not under our control. That was the purpose of today's episode, <laughs> <laughs> which has been brought to you in part by El Yag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts, articles, and polls like the one we covered today. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you guys for joining me in the studio today. Thank you, Sasha, for joining us at home. Thank you all at home for listening. We will see you next time. Josh, out.